All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. This is your host, Brandon, and my host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we are post-Newcastle United live from Atlanta back to the hotel pod. The intimacy in this room right now is is really nice. Yeah, I think we're all enjoying it. Preseason is all about bonding, Nick. That's right. It's all about building the relationships, the foundation for a new season. And you can feel the aura in Atlanta, in this hotel room, and in this Chelsea side. Three men in a bed. Is that what we're doing? Not a new series. Not <laughs> not at all. So, um, guys, we kicked it off. We've been here for a couple of days now. Atlanta has been great to us, but we can talk about kind of what we've done, um, what we've gotten to this point before the match, because I know we did the live pod. Everyone knows about that. But even today, there was a lot of fun activities going on. The city was definitely alive with a buzz. Yeah, we went to Crog Street Market for some lunch, went over to BrewDog for, for a couple beers, and then, you know, got some coffee, and Dan went over to Wild Leap uh, Brewery for a little bit of pregame before we uh, before we went over to the match. Well, not just me, but the entirety of us went. Just Dan, and uh, boy, did he consume some beverages today. Just, <laughs> I did just, have some slushies. Just Dan. He really did actually have some alcohol. It was a slush. slushy flight. It was amazing. Flight of took me on a journey of flavors. Only in Atlanta, but no, it's been it's been a tremendous stop. I mean, I think you know the amount of people down here for the Premier League is like palpable as you walk around the city, Brandon. And you know, it's starting to feel kind of like the start of the season, right? You know, I think there have been other preseasons where maybe it didn't feel this alive. The Premier League putting on their own summer series this year is kind of added to the. Uh, intrigue, you know, Chelsea are playing Newcastle and Brighton and Fulham, and these are teams that we're going to play uh, in a couple of months. And so I, I think just the atmosphere around the stadium just felt a bit of a buzz today. You know, wildly, there was a ton of different Premier League jerseys, obviously Brentford and Brighton playing beforehand, Newcastle playing us. So it was a great day out. It was a lot. Obviously, we had the double header, so a little bit goofy, right? Was it Brighton and Brentford before us? Uh, not a lot of people there, but to be fair, there were definitely some Brentford kits in the pub, which I'd never really seen in person. So that was new. Um, we also got to see, uh, like I said, just a myriad of, of different teams in like melting together throughout the city, which was, if nothing else, a lot of Atlanta United kits, which is fair. Yeah. Just shows Atlanta's a soccer city. Um, but anyways, it was, I mean, all in all, it was, it was a good day with a lot of opportunity. Ishan and I were out kind of doing content in the streets with, with fans asking who they're excited about. So a lot of stuff on con on social media, which will be fun. A lot of firsts for us. Um, so all in all, like really have enjoyed our time in Atlanta, huge city, a lot going on just in general. I mean, that's the other thing is this city's so big. There's a dozen other things going on, but, um, uh, the Mercedes Benz stadium, Dan. Oh, it's delightful. It is definitely top three and most likely number one in terms of U.S. sporting venues that I have been to. And I can't imagine a bad seat in that stadium. Now, again, it's benefiting from the fact that it's in the south. It was 95 degrees today and extremely high humidity. And it was completely air-conditioned. It was a cool environment to be in. The 360-degree 
you know, uh, board, video board at the top was amazing. Now, it does have an Oculus that can open up on nicer days or cooler days that was shut today. But all in all, it was super full. It was super loud. And it looked like everyone was having a good time in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a marvel. I mean, this stadium is unbelievable. It is It is incredibly nice. It's built well. Concessions on point. Press box on point. Um, everything just looks immaculate. And, and I know I haven't been to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles quite yet, but it, hell, it looks absolutely incredible um, to to partake in. And, and I think, you know, we were lucky that we were there for, you know, Brandon, the Minneapolis um, U.S. Bank Stadium opening in 2016, which up until this point was the nicest stadium I had been in. Uh, from a U.S. perspective, I think this just edges it, um, and it's it's largely due to the capacity. It's it gets loud in there, like it's it's not a quiet place. It's not one of these big ass domes that has no character to it. So, um, yeah, I just I can't say enough about uh, what they did at Mercedes Benz. You know, we heard it was going to be incredible, but holy shit! Well, and you saw for those who are fans of the at Footy Scran Twitter account. Plenty of people were getting their photos posted today from the cut rate, you know, cut price rate concessions of the ten dollar, you know, chicken tenders and fries that were absolutely massive. Plenty of people just enjoying the day out and not having to worry because of how uh, Arthur Blank and the Blank family have set up the concession pricing there too, which everyone was raving about. And that's nice, kind of to see too, that it makes it a better experience for the fans. Didn't even partake in that, honestly. Uh, felt like I needed, to, I should have just because I could have. Uh, so maybe maybe next time. Dan, I think we do need to make the people just a smidge jealous, though. Because in the press box, uh, which was fantastic, all the food was great, uh, there was a special frozen treat that you and I both found delightful. Not only did we find delightful, it was very fun to watch all of our friends <laughs> Enjoy the Carvel soft serve that was there. You know, vanilla and chocolate, a little swirl action going on. Delightful. 100%. Tons of toppings, Brandon. M&M's, chocolate Whatever. sprinkles. Some of us were working peanuts. down at the field not being pampered in an air-conditioned press box. Oh, I mean, to be fair, the whole stadium is air-conditioned, so. There's a difference. Yeah, I Thanks Soft we were... serve, what's up? Again, uh, Atlanta Stadium's known for food. We had... Uh, super pathetic uh spread down in the uh photo video press area but it's fine because the benefit is isha and i got to be down at the field we got to see things directly we got to see things uh up close and personal kind of uh capture the pace of the game the tempo of the game which is great because um you know we'll get some more content out there uh get a little bit deeper insight to that stuff which is nice you get the bird's eye view where you guys were and then Ish and I uh, grounds view. So uh, we get to kick off, obviously, and we've got our starting lineups. Um, you know, this is very anticipated. We always try to play the silly guessing game when it comes to preseason. Never get it right with Poch. Uh, you are starting to see some things, Dan, but there's a lot of rotation even in this team um, between the starting lineup and with halftime changes. Yeah, so you saw Keppa between the sticks. It was Trev Chalba and Bashir Humphreys as your center backs with Reese James and Marco Correa, left back and right back. You had Enzo and Cassidy. 
along with uh, Ian Mason, <laughs> Mikhailo Modric, and Christopher Nkuku as your Nkuku as your uh, attacking three, and then uh, Nico Jackson as your number one up top, or maybe future number nine. No, you should say 43 forever. I think that was uh, Martin Wickham posted. As soon as he switches to nine, he's going to stop scoring. So Nico Jackson, number 43, uh, and number one in our hearts right now. And you saw two halftime subs of Connor Gallagher coming on the 45th minute, along with Raheem Sterling. You saw some subs later in the 65th minute, Andre Santos and Carney Chacomeca coming on. And then you saw uh, Moreira, Diego Moreira, and Mason Bristow coming on as well. Uh, ben Chilwell, Malagusto also made an appearance too. So again, lots of changes. The benefit of preseason, getting an opportunity to run out multiple players, getting them 30 minutes or so, 20 minutes or so, really evaluating. And I think it's starting to set the stage for who likely is on their way out. I mean, maybe. There's, there. So that's the post-match quote. So if let's just stick to the lineup in, in terms of performances because the first half was very different from the second half. Uh, the first half actually had excitement and things to react to, whereas the second half didn't so much, which I would say is this attacking four up top, there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of uh, playing the ball into space. There was a lot of uh, pressure from the front as well that we didn't see in the second half. So clearly there's something between these four. Nick, everyone want to see Nicholas Jackson, Christopher Nkunku. We got to see it. Yeah, and it was great. Um, you know, I think in particular, you know, let's just take Nico off the board for the trending up. Um, I think we would have all had him on our list. Nico Jackson was extraordinary in the first half. Only played the first half, but uh, movement, dynamic, dribbling, great. Um, scoring a one-touch finish, phenomenal. Uh, his general work rate, his defensive capability, uh, again, uh, if you saw the clip where he uh, took the ball off of, was it Fabian Schar or someone? It might have been Dan Byrne on the, on the touchline. Uh, it was Schar because he went off injured, right? Yeah. yeah. Then dribbles through, uh, almost uh, nutmegs the goalkeeper at the near post. I, it was just an extraordinary performance, and it, it, it really, you know, I, I think back to when we signed him and kind of the general, like, meh feeling around that signing. Uh, Dan, this is a player that I think has just won preseason so far. I don't know if it was meh. I think it was more of a question of understanding how good was he going to be, how ready was he going to be for getting into the Premier League, was his short run near the tail end of last season enough data points to say that he was going to be the guy for Chelsea. We saw the quotes he had come out before the match talking about wanting to be not just as good as Drogba, but better than Drogba, better than other players. Ballsy, man. It's ballsy to say. And he looks the part. There was the momentary thought that maybe he was injured a little bit. There was a bit of a collision there, a, a foul that wasn't a foul apparently. And you know, he definitely looks looks very, very sharp. I think if you're talking about other people who are on the up, you can play him left wing. You can play him right wing. You could play him as a left back, but you don't choose to do that. Ian Motson, he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where. And I don't care where you play him, but he is making it very, very clear that he is going to stay in this side. 
that Chelsea have an absolute player here that can cover a multitude of different positions is really, really interesting. Set up Jackson for the goal that he had. I'm just excited that we might be really getting an opportunity, Brandon, to have him stick around because of how this preseason's went. Podchat as well. Everyone's high on him. He has to figure out left back. Like we've, I've been preaching that all preseason. This is another year with too many left backs. This has been our problem for four years now. We, it's a guess blessing, right? If you've got Ian Motson back, you've got Cucurella, you've got Chilwell. Chilwell's phenomenal. You've got, you know, Lewis Hall, who's more than capable as well. Like, you know, you, now you have to manage everyone's situations. You essentially need two. You got four. Lewis Hall hasn't really played, as you would imagine. So the weird thing is Monson hasn't played left back yet. If he doesn't play left back in D.C., like, and if he somehow doesn't make the final 22-man roster, like, I'm going to be really confused and slightly annoyed for like obvious reasons. He's been he's been really good. I mean, again, you know, we talk about the preseason as a, you know, can you take your opportunity, right? And he definitely has. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, if it wasn't for Nicholas Jackson and everything that he's doing, that Matson would be my player of the preseason so far. And, and it's a really, really extraordinary thing to think that he's not in a kind of familiar position, Dan, but he's still contributing. Well, when you talk about players who were up and down, so whose stock's on the rise, we talk about Nico Jackson, we talk about Ian Motson. Ian Motson, and he benefited from having Reese James playing on his side. You look at the opposite side, people were wondering or questioning, hey, Mudrick looked a little quiet this game, didn't look necessarily as involved. He had a couple of good runs. It felt like we maybe should have seen more of him in terms of like total minutes in this game. But the left-hand side, particularly with Kukurea back there, just wasn't as strong on the day and maybe not as ready Brandon for, you know, you know, really necessarily Kukurea uh, is showing why like Ben Chilwell is the number one in this system as a left back. Not, you know, the Kukurea trending down yet, Dan, come on. So trending. Yeah. Nick, you're trending up. Um, If I were to pick one that hasn't been said yet, I mean, to me, I really think that Malagusto in the second half, even on limited minutes, right, came out and performed again. Yeah, I'm really surprised at how physical he is. Um, and again, he he had a different sort of challenge today than he did against Matoma, right? He was kind of dealing with Joel Linton for a little bit, which is a it's a big bruiser of a dude who obviously is not the kind of shiftier, quick guy. Uh, and then he had a number of subs to deal with in the second half, and like. How accomplished he is! You know, one thing that we notice from the press box is when he has a player driving at him, and there's a runner going behind to kind of make that kind of overlap or underlap. He always knows like where he's pointing to, so that the person kind of follows that runner because he's not going to right. He's locked in in front of him, and I think it just shows some maturity that for a what 19, 20 year old um, that I did not expect for him to have. Uh, you know, I think he is probably going to push Reese at the start of the season. Um, and that's not something I say lightly uh, because he has not had many flaws in this game to this point. So, I mean, those those three, I think, have been, at least to me, the standout so far. 20, 20 years young, Malagusto. All right, everybody, it's producer Jake interrupting this review of the Newcastle match from the guys in a hotel room in a bed to say that we're jumping to an ad break. We'll be right back. Thank you so much to our sponsors. 
Um, my trending upwards, I think I have, you know, it, it even has to be Mudrick as well. I mean, there was a big drop off in the second half without him. He's been a part of a lot of good things. And you talk about how Nico Jackson step over his feints, go to goal. Mudrick's the same thing. He created the end line. He absolutely embarrassed. Well, I don't know if it, was Bot if it was Botman or who was back there. He put someone on skates and then beat him again. Uh, he cut in. He had a good shot. It wasn't that far wide off the post from what I could see. Uh, but I was looking at him in the warm-ups. I had to have head on a swivel. They were shooting at the second goal. <laughs> and like I that's where I was. I was like adjacent to it. Um, Mudrick was dialed in on the shooting in pre-match. And for him to have the confidence to either set players up, but then also take that shot himself... I think it's showing that he's able to do multiple things and he's not the just boot it and run after it and hope you get a one-on-one. -on -one. He's creating things from a standstill and I, that's special. I, I will also break the rules of just selecting one, but I thought that both Trev and Bashir Humphreys looked accomplished in the center of defense. It's not the center of defense that I thought we would get tonight, yeah. um, but I really uh, enjoyed watching both them play and, you know, had it not been for an error um, by someone else, we would have kept a clean sheet in that first half and looked fairly dominant. I mean, I think that's the storyline that we can maybe roll into as, as we look at our trending down is like the first half, you know, I think the first couple of minutes, Newcastle put Chelsea under some pressure uh, and it looked like it was going to be kind of a wild half. And then Chelsea settled in, right? Started moving the ball around, started getting the ball out wide in the space. You know, Reese James and Motson kind of overlapping and figuring out their spatial awareness. Nico Jackson making a ton of runs in behind and Kunku playing stuff through. Newcastle couldn't touch Chelsea for a large part of the first half. And you, you know, go up into halftime 1 0, you feel a lot different than you do when Kukurea makes a terrible error, uh, gives Almiron the run behind, who scores the goal to the delight of the mostly atlanta united home supporting crowd oh my gosh yeah. and uh and you know you feel a lot different going in a half at that point and you know, i think this is where you know we've seen this story play out a bunch dan that you know it's a silly error it's a silly step up from kukurea he should definitely know better almiron's not a slow player you can't let him in behind he's a good finisher and all of that was kind of a rookie mistake so the way that it's been working at this point is you're ending up with a lot of one-on-ones in the way that Poch and the team are setting up and so you're in a lot of last man challenges if you are the deepest player back and so Kukurea is potentially the deepest player back Reese is sometimes the deepest player back Trev or Bashir that if all of them at points in the game were the last individual who if it breaks past them they're going to put Kepa under pressure so this was a situation relating to the goal where Kukure probably didn't need to try to beat the player to take the ball back. He should have kept with the player and waited for others to recover. Um, again, I, I just think it's you're asking him to be something that he's not. He's not a great left back. He's a fine left center back in a back three. He's fine as a left wing back in in a four um like or you know a back five but he's not necessarily you know what you want from that left back you're like you're losing out on the the aerial benefit that ben has you're looking at the the dynamism on the kind of forward attack 
goals plus assists, like the well-roundedness of that game and then the depth in comparison to really what Matson could provide, what Hall could provide, you know, playing in that position is is going to be a kind of a real question. It's it's not good enough. I mean, and, and to be fair, it was a solid first half from him until the mistake sure. came. And then it kind of unraveled from there. He had a pretty shaky 20 minutes at the start of the second half as well. And just, yeah, I don't know, Brandon. I think the decision-making has still kind of been cloudy. I mean, he's always a step-forward guy. He attacks everything. And this time, he took a step forward. The ball got past him, and it was it was game over in that sense. He put a crunching tackle in Tonali. But I think everybody who's looking at this game and the other preseason matches, you're just looking going, it's just not there. It's not completely there. And if Chelsea and Potts are talking about making tough decisions, I think he is a tough decision. Contract, wages, hard to move. But are they able to make what's best for the footballing decision? Are the financials going to get in the way of this? And I think that's really what it's going to come down to with him. Um, You think of another player... It's got to be Sterling, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, there's a big drop-off in production from Mudrick to Sterling in this one again. He, again, has a couple moments. He's involved, good places, uh, part of part of a potential goal-scoring opportunity, but it's not definitive. The ball goes backwards a lot, foot on top of the ball. So I don't know if it's a conditioning thing for him. He did get clattered a few times, so I'm sure it's super annoying for a player like yeah. him. But... You either need goals, leadership, or assists from him. And an, an just it's not too late, but you're just not really seeing either of any of those from him at this point. And this is his easily 10th plus preseason. He knows what to expect. He knows he needs to do. Um, I Well, I guess I'm just waiting for it to click because you need a veteran player like him to carry a load. I think the question to answer is it's not a fitness issue. He looks perfectly fit. He looks ready to compete. It's a decision making. It's a selection of the next action to take in the system. And hopefully that's something that can correct itself over time because you could find yourself feeling more comfortable with the idea of Mikhailo Mudrik and Ian Motson alongside Nkunku and Jackson as your starting attack against Liverpool. I mean, I I think I would feel more comfortable with that than with Sterling in. Yeah, it's an interesting one, too, because, like, of all the players, Sterling doesn't have the same, like, fitness or sharpness. And you would think that with his, you know, revised diet and all the, like, the work that's been put in the offseason, that that wouldn't be the case, that he would be raring and ready to go. I think he was one of the first players to rejoin the squad this summer. And so you know, it's it's unfortunate, you know, for, for a lot of reasons. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, we're not selling him, so we need him to play well. We need him to, like, get his act together and, you know, challenge either Mudrik or Mataweke to, to play on the wing and, and be a viable threat there. Here's, here's the other one that's a bit of a down at the moment. It's Keppa. I think Keppa's distribution was a little Bad again. wonky yeah. at times. And if that's where you are looking potentially to, I mean, unfortunately, it's it feels like that is way too late to get a individual who's going to challenge Keppa to be 
the best version of himself, Brandon. It feels like we're at the point where it's a solid number two is likely who's going to come in, and we will start the season with Kepa as the number one keeper for Chelsea. It obviously feels like it's trending that way. I mean, we got linked with Emmy Martinez again, which, you know, I put this on Twitter. You know, if you're looking at Raya and Martinez, more or less, Raya is another Keppa. Shorter. No point in making that move. I mean, you've got two essentially backup-esque goalkeepers. But not even that. What I would say is that they're very hyper-specific to a certain way of playing. I don't think Poch is married to a way of playing. He's more pragmatic, but... Like, he's not like a Maurizio Sarri or Conte where, like, it will be a 4-3-3 or it will be a back three. With Poch, it's a little bit different. So then maybe you get a different completely type of goalkeeper so they have to challenge each other. Kind of like what we had at Edouard Mendy. Ed- Mendy and Kepa were opposites in every sense of the of the word, but yet they're both successful in their own rights. So that's where I was like, oh, you know, if if Emmy Martinez, you should at least ask Villa and, like, temp check them and see because he could be a backup. You, he's going to hold value, and he give you something different, very different from mm-hmm. Kepa. But who knows what the multitude of goalkeeper coaches, three that we have, um, and what they want out of this group. It's also really interesting that we haven't seen Gaga Slonino one time this preseason. You assume Chicago, but yeah. yeah. He just joined up. I mean, he yeah. got in a little bit later because... Or, he's fine. He's a goalkeeper. I know. But he's not. His legs aren't tired. Trust me, it, he if he if he could he would, but they're all in on Kepa right now. He's getting all the minutes, soaking it up. That's Mendy, what I'm saying. It's just a little surprising. Mendy played essentially all the minutes after the first game last preseason too, right? And it's just once you get your starter, you just try to get him as many minutes. Which I'm surprised other Premier League teams aren't playing their starters. Pope did get 45 minutes today, but you know it's it's an area of concern a lot of people that we talked to on the concourse today saying need a goalkeeper that's a concern for them and they're not wrong but again financials might get in the way of what's best for the football side of this so um but i think yeah between those are three very fair um downward trends that it's not like rude of us to say that i think you look at the game right you know the this was the test that Chelsea had in preseason, right? Brighton, we don't know what Brighton's going to be this year. Um, you know, they were good last year, but Newcastle finished in the top four. Newcastle is the team that has a ton of investment from PIF. Um, they're adding new players all the time. And, you know, if Chelsea want to be in the top four discussion, Dan, this is a team that we're going to have to beat to get there. Sure. Um, I think that Chelsea on the whole played better than Newcastle today. I think we looked fitter. I think it was a completely physical game. It was a lot more uh, physically demanding, I think, than even Brighton was, although that, there were some horror tackles in that game, as we remember. But I think this was a bigger test, and I think Chelsea, uh, outside of one error, will feel aggrieved that they didn't win this. But I think the overall pace of play was good. It shows why Poch in, in the quotes, and I'm sure we're going to get to that, after the game, talked about the need for who we need to go after, the type of midfielder or player we were going to go recruit and look to get. Because when you took Jackson off and when you took Mudrick off, very different pace, very different 
momentum. You lost the vertical movement the and the, the quickness behind that vertical movement up and down the pitch that Chelsea displayed in the first half was gone. And so bringing in another 8, 10, someone who could play behind the striker, potentially, you know, we've seen like uh, Wahi is another individual who's been linked either with Strasbourg or with Chelsea as a move, bringing in someone else who can compete in the forward position is going to be kind of critical. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see movement on that over the next couple of days into the weekend because Chelsea need to get that individual or individuals in by the first, by the second. If you have any aspirations that those people are going to contribute against Liverpool, they need to be in next week. If they're not in next week, you're not going to see them till the second, third, fourth Premier League game of the season. So Poch uh, did have quite a bit to say after this one. He's still, I would say, in steady uh, fashion. Nothing too crazy here. He says the balance is much better, but we still need to work on uh, the balance of the 11. And Reese played 60 plus minutes, and so it's important that he is fit. I think that's obviously priority numero uno is get Reese to a good spot. Uh, it, he said he's pleased with the attitude and the performance. There were many, many positive things, things to improve, but in general, I'm happy. So, all right, we, we checked the, the general boxes, right? So now he talks about Ian Motson. says, I am happy. I am so happy with him. He is a player who can play different positions. He has understanding of the game. He is so clever. Um, he said on the left side of players, this is interesting. I'm pulling all these from Naz, by the way. So if you want to see these, it's on his Twitter profile. Potch says, in another position, we miss some players, but that position, left back, we have four. It is unbalanced in the squad, and we need a balanced squad to compete for high positions. Players don't want to be third or fourth option. And he said he's going to have to make some tough decisions Nick, he stated he's like 24 max. It's between like 21 and 23 players he wants to see. You talked about Nani Matawake. We haven't even seen him this nope. preseason. Broya is still back. Bettinelli is still back. There are players at Cobham that Poch really hasn't been able to, to evaluate. But we know with Matawake, he had a little bit of a fitness concern, so they kept him back at Philly so that he could then make sure that he's ready to participate in the weekend. So I would imagine Medawake gets first minutes again. If it's resolved, we get first minutes in D.C., so you're going to get an opportunity to see him again. But I think there are others who, at this point, you would imagine you don't see them again for the remainder of preseason. Like, I don't think you would see necessarily Angelo getting more minutes for the remainder of preseason. Nah, yeah, like your Alfie Gilchrist of the world and, and folks who just haven't featured as much are probably you know, on the way out. I think, I think the pool of like the, on the bubble, if you will, uh, talents are probably your Broyas, probably your Motsons, you know, even though, you know, we all think that Motson, Motson should stay, you know, he is in that weird position where you have two high price left backs in front of him. Right. And what do you do with the, with the young player? Um, at that point, we, we hope he stays obviously, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a cluster. I mean, we, we read the reports yesterday on the live pod about Trev Chalaba, um, and the nonsense with bringing Gurhi over. If you're going to sell Chalaba, it doesn't make any fucking sense, by the way. It's just some random whoa, whoa, thing. Whoa. We told your mom that you would not curse on this podcast anymore. I don't know if she's listening to this episode, Dan, but, um, look, it, it's a, 
it's it's a clusterfuck. Um, th- there are players that we think should stay. There are players that will almost certainly be sold against you know our our own personal wishes, which is fine. And I bet there's some heartache to come. Uh, that's kind of the way that you know this is gonna go. And and we know that you know the the board values um, young players oftentimes for the profit. So. All right, everybody, producer Jake, one more time to say thank you so much to our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Well, let's go ahead and what a potential slim down roster could be. So you're gonna have Kepa and Bettinelli, and insert ideally Third, a, a young English homegrown goalkeeper to fill that slot, right? Um, which might actually be a little bit tougher if it's not Jamie Cumming, because I don't know how many other English Jamie is probably the, the born. Um, right back, Reese, James, and Malagusto. Yep. That's locked. Feels right. Center back, you've got Levi Colwell, Tiago Silva, Benoit Batishil, and as of now, Trevo yep. Chalaba, with the potential that he might be out. Yep. So you kind of have now, in a yellow circle, circled Trevo's name as a maybe. For center mids, you've got Enzo, you've got Santos, Chukwameka, Connor Gallagher, who's a maybe, and you definitely have a gap. I don't think you keep Santos and Casadei. No. no and, and Santos is far more ready at this point to be a part of the squad. And even hearing, hearing that Enzo experience, let's say you get Caicedo, young, but proven in the Premier League, and then hopefully you keep Gallagher, Santos, Chacomeca. That's still a bit light. You're essentially probably going to have Santos and Chacomeca as your two bench players, and that's it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what actually happens there because if you're playing a, a two and you're trying to bring more attackers in, at four to five midfielders, you're probably fine. But the question is going to be with Santos, could you get him... 3,500 minutes on loan this season versus potentially getting him 1,000 to 1,200 minutes and what's better for his development. And maybe that's where something like where Chukamika, it makes more sense to keep him if you feel like you have a better understanding of like where he's at developmentally with it. Like, again, these are a lot of the tough decisions. I don't know what's right or wrong yet. We're going to do our final episodes, you know, two more preseason matches is left to make that decision. But ultimately these are the examples of the type of decisions that the sporting directors, the manager, and the board are going to have to make. Well, and Chuck will make it to me feels more of like a cam, which is another position. So maybe you're even down to four center mids. But again, if it's two positions... I, I think so. I don't I don't think... I know that he can play back there. I just don't think that's what Poch wants him to do. Yeah. All right. So if you get to the cam, you've got Nkunku. Again, Chuck Omeka. Gallagher potentially. There's so you've got three. There's rumors of that Kudus. Mm-hmm. Um Kudus, yes. Potentially could go there. So then you would have four players with some overlap between center mid and cam, mainly Gallagher and Chukomeka. So you probably have two if you bring in a third. Right wing, Sterling, Matawake. That's it. <laughs> Left mid, Mudrick. Matson? I mean, I don't know where you want to throw him in. Are we really gonna have three left backs? Chilwell, Cagrilla, Matson. I didn't even go through those. I skipped, but it's like he's flexible, he's versatile. Yeah. I I don't know what to think of that. But if you if you take him out, you've got Mudrick, Sterling, 
Matawake as your yeah. wingers. Like, that's it. Three for four positions. We used to have way too many wide attacking players. So now all of a sudden I'm like, maybe we do need that at wide attacker. Olise or Kudus, whoever can, can cover some depth. We're down to three. This is why squad building is difficult. We, we've trimmed a lot. Uh, up top, you've got Nico Jackson and Cuckoo can play there. Broya. So Maybe. really, it's really Jackson and Broya potentially just the two up top. Uh, I, it's it's tricky to say the least, but there are glaring gaps in this squad, no doubt. It, it's it feels as if Poch has done a lot of work to move Chelsea down the line and get a lot of people who at the end of last season were off the train and not motivated, not excited. He's won over people. He's gotten the squad playing well. He's put them in a position to feel like they're competitive and could be competitive from the start of the season. And now the responsibility is on the sporting directors and the organization to go out and move warp speed over the next week to two weeks and get him the last little bits of this this stuff done, which is bringing in the necessary players, getting out the others remaining that need to be removed or put on a good loan and get us ready for the first game of the Premier League season. Yeah, you, you've likely seen enough in preseason to start making some of those calls at this point. And I think for those who haven't played, that's probably a sign that they're not going to be sticking around that much, um, you know, outside of injury, of course. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's go time. And it's especially go time with, with purchasing. Like, you've sold a bunch of people this year. You have a couple more to go. But, like, it, you know, shit or get off the pot on Caicedo. Like, make a move or don't. You've still got Lukaku. You've still got Ziyech. You've still got Malang Sar. Um, Strauss works Malang Sar to you. It very well could be. And that'll be interesting if there's a bit of a quote-unquote dumping ground of excess players there. You know, I, I'm. those are the three big ones that stand out to me and I look at this squad. You assume that Morera is going to go on loan somewhere. There's, sure. there's no doubt about that. On hello, yep. same thing. The rest of the squad is kind of there. We still need additions, which is a, a bummer at this point. It isn't kind of funny. We had such a big bloated squad, but you did get rid of minus Lukaku and Ziyech, two players who don't really want to be at Chelsea. They're the ones we still need to to sort and go from there. Yeah, and it's not to say that the club haven't done a good job with getting players out to get us to where we are right now. And it's just minor work that needs to be done, but it's important work. I think it's major work that needs to be done. Lukaku (laughs) makes himself not... He doesn't allow himself to be minor anything. It's major work because the one guy that you should have been able to get based on relationships is not happening, it feels like. And if it's not him, there aren't a ton of just world-class midfielders out there to go get. So then you're looking at addition by multiple players probably to fill a hole that is there and you know who knows what that looks like not i uh but we will get sam cfc central on the case again if needed but yeah not the ideal place you want to be um overall preseason season i would say is moving in a very specific direction um the minutes i'm not confused by there seems to be intent Ian Matson is the only one that I'm confused by, that he's not getting a chance to play left back. 
But other than that, I feel like Potch has grabbed this ship, put it on the path he wants, and that's it. No discussion. And he's seen the quotes we're getting, um, the smiles afterwards. I feel comfortable with him not even having been here a month, which I think speaks a lot to his professionalism and experience, Dan, and his ability to take this you know, ship of everyone wanting to essentially jump off this summer. Fine, jump. We're going to take the guys we have, supplement, and go. And I think it's commendable what he's done in, in just a short amount of time. Yeah, you also are seeing him make some changes to the formations. And you saw the 4-2-3-1 to start. You saw a 4-3-3 in the second half. You know, it really actually out of possession, even in the 4-2-3-1. It, it is kind of more of a 4-3-3 with the way that Nico and Nkunku end up moving back in with one another and back out. Actually, after the drinks break, you saw that they were really kind of getting the space closer together. The drinks break. Hilarious, by the way. It's a, it's no a 68 one is a fan. degree stadium. Like No one is a fan. But yes, it's, he's in a great spot. I think he's ready to get the season started. And yeah, let's just get to D.C. On to D.C., baby. There's a live show on the 29th. You might have heard about it. Should be. Is it at Astro Beer Hall? It is. Uh, Astro Beer Hall. Is that 2.30 p.m. in the afternoon? That is also correct uh, to accommodate our journalist friends. So hopefully they don't uh, get rescheduled again. But uh, very excited to see everyone there. It's going to be a blast. It's our last stop of the summer tour. And wow. uh, two weeks in, we're, uh, you know, I think all looking forward to being in our own beds again. But we're going to finish strong in D.C., baby. <laughs> not the shared bed here in. Nope. Not three men in a bed. No. Yeah. Strategically placed in a chair. Sure. I think... There's a spot right here in the old middle for you. I think we're good. Yeah, preseason is humming along. It is good. Vibes are much better. Intent. I think, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans, I would be surprised to hear if people are freaking out about the direction which Chelsea are moving. So, uh, obviously, let us know on social media. Three of us, we feel pretty good. We've got confidence in Poch, where the team is going, and uh, kind of the trajectory that we are at with the uh, limited time together. So, anyways, that's going to wrap... Uh, again, follow us on social. Ton of content going on as we hop around from city to city. Uh, live pods have been a huge blast, so make sure if you're in the D.C. you're able to get there, do it. It's a ton of fun. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue, blue flag, flag flying high. Flying high. All right, bye.